The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Inspired, informed, motivated, and recharged on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Every day is a stellar day on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Let's get this party started. Cynthia will be back to kick it all off after this break. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you wondering how to jumpstart your life while bringing more excitement and joy into every moment? Join the Goddess Gals, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, each week on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You'll hear from the experts and authors that inspire and motivate you to be your greatest, unique self. Plus, in Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew, Cynthia and Heather tackle the topics and tips that make a difference. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio, Studio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Genetically engineered foods, missionary work, and pan- pet parenthood are all the topics for today's show. I'm Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with me, Cynthia Bryan. Oh, we are glad you are here. Turn up the volume. Enjoy this power hour of edutainment. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. The perfect gift for anyone who loves or works with young people. Pick up an autographed copy today at BeTheStarYouAre.com, where you can also get T-shirts and tank tops. The Miracle Moment is from Alan Cohen. Give yourself credit for a job well done instead of berating yourself for a small mistake. How often we do that. We just concentrate on our negatives instead of thinking about our positives. Right, Heather? 
Exactly. Well, we've got the essay contest is in full swing, sponsored by Bill Gladstone and the 12. Pick up the guidelines at bethestarur.org. You can win $100, be on the radio show, get published. Uh, published and also get a copy of the best-selling book, The Twelve, which is just doing uh, unbelievably now, especially with the movie 2012. want to remind you about tax deductions. So all of you who want a tax deduction, why not give it to charity and help the show and literacy outreach? Again, be the star you are.org. Uncle Sam doesn't need it. We do. $99 gifts uh, will get you $600 of books to the cause of your choice. And then buy books at be the star you are dot com. I am the author of Chicken Soup for the Gardener Soul, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts. The new one, Be the Star You Are for Teens, which Heather is also a co-contributor. Uh, business of Show Business and Miracle Moments. So lots of great gifts there on the list, be the star you are dot com. Well, we're talking about genetically engineered foods today. They've really made a big splash in the news lately because European environmental organizations and public interest groups have been actively protesting against GM foods, which are like genetically modified, if you want to call them that. There's a lot of controversial studies about the effects on especially genetically modified corn and the pollen and the monarch butterfly and the caterpillars and all the stuff that it does. So it's in our public uh, consciousness. But we really want to find out what are genetically modified foods, how do they affect us, and what should we be doing? Should we be just eating organically or going with the flow? Heather, I know as normal you've been doing some research on it. Let's talk (laughs) about these engineered foods. Yeah, well, exactly. As you're saying, is that the genetically modified foods? Um, it's similar to you know, almost like a test tube baby, <laughs> or how um, they've been cloning all these animals now. That they've been making these new strands and these new strings, all kinds of forms. Um, a big thing they've been doing with corn and soybeans. And um, you know, there's a lot of information out there. Of course, with everything, there's the pros, the cons, the mixed side. You know, some of the the good pros of it is the pets, the pesticides. That's one thing why a lot of people like to go organic. They don't want their food to have um, had contact with a lot of different pesticides, which eventually we know gets into our food, could get us sick. Uh, when it rains, the runoff goes into the water from that, soaks into the ground, or goes into our oceans, again, causing more pollution. So with these genetically uh, modified foods, they don't need pesticides, but they find to be a pest resistance. Also, that's great for farmers. Farmers spend so much money um, with the pesticides. Also, things that if these foods, if these vegetables are being created in labs or, you know, in, in a false environment, um, they don't have to worry about the cold. We all know how many, um, with you especially coming from a farm family, how one night of ridiculous weather can destroy your entire crop, and that can be hundreds of thousands, possibly millions Billions. of dollars. Yeah, gone. and I want to just jump in there for a second and uh, respond to that because what the new genetically modified plants, they're gaining drought tolerance as well as tolerance towards these climate changes that we are talking about. I mean, here in Northern California, we just had last week, as we were talking about, a snowstorm. I know. And, of course, it it has, um, I don't know about killed, but definitely stopped, you know, all the citrus and hurt a lot of plants. So this is something, although there's a lot of, of controversy and negativity also around the genetically modified foods because 
farmers are finding that the genetic, uh, the seeds are blowing into their organic farms. Exactly, and that's what you were talking about with um, the monarch butterfly and right. the caterpillars, is that these caterpillars consume um, milkweed plants, and the big thing they've been uh, modifying now is corn. And the fear is, um, the fear with that is that um, the pollen from this uh, this corn will blow into the milkweed, and thus the caterpillars eating that, and it's poisonous to them. It's killing them. Um, so therefore, you know, it's kind of the circle of life. If one thing dies out, it's it, everything, as they say, you know, kind of ironically, the butterfly effect. Um, that it could really, you know, if, if one species dies out, and well, if that's another species, um, predator or prey. It kind of, you know, throws um, the whole ecosystem out of balance. And also it's interesting to think, you know, if it's killing this, what is it doing to our bodies? And a big thing in the news, um, or just, you know, in, in life recently, is how kids and people are just developing all kinds of food allergies. Now, with there being, you know, genetically modified food, possibly, you know, one of the hopes is that they could modify certain things, you know, such as peanuts, um, to eliminate uh, these allergies that are deadly to a lot of people. Um, some people, especially with peanuts, they can't even be in a room that someone had, you know, or be around peanut butter breath or anything. So the goal is, you know, they would like to modify these um, to get rid of these allergies. But as of now, they're still in so many test um, stages that they actually, you know, when they're discovering this, that people are having allergens to these foods. And because it's brand new, um, they don't really know how to treat this stuff. So it could actually be you know, potentially more deadly um, playing around with uh, the modified foods. They had tried to do this um, with some kind of soybean or Brazil nut, but eventually they had to abandon the idea just out of fear because they didn't know, you know, when you're playing with people's lives and allergies, um, there just wasn't enough conclusive evidence. um, Well, and of course, when we start modifying our food, we're kind of playing God. I mean, there's an amazing documentary out there, and uh, you can draw your own conclusions you know, how true it is or not, but it's based on a lot of factual statistics and research. It's called Food, Inc., and it's, it is really not positive towards the genetically modified foods. The world population is over 6 billion people now, and it's predicted mm-hmm. to double that in the next 50 years. And, of course, Ugh. with this, um, this modified food, they're hoping that there'll be an adequate food supply but one of the issues seems to be that it's also putting the food supply of the world in the hands of a few corporations. Exactly. And what will that mean if a corporation decides, you know, it wants to eliminate a certain element or a certain population? I mean, it, this is a little frightening. It, it, it's, it's frightening in that sense, too. And just as, you know, with the economy now, how we've seen how it's really become a, a monopoly is that, um, you know, people, the few people are controlling a lot of stuff. And as we were talking about food, um, though they, we might get more food, it doesn't mean it's healthier. Just as we know, if you go to the grocery store, you can get real fresh, you know, all kinds of, like, for cheese, for example. You know, a fresh kind of cheese, uh, but it's going to be expensive. Or you can get this processed cheese that if you read the ingredients, you know, the first two ingredients are oil and water, uh, which are not in cheese, um, you know, for a dollar. And that's something, too, with, the, with people, you know, as we see with, with fast food places, you can get a lot of food but lo- and not a lot of nutrition. And I'm, this, is, this has to be another reason why we are less health, healthy uh, than we were 25 years ago 
and that we have bigger problems with obesity and diabetes and, and as you were saying earlier, more allergies because a majority of the population is not eating properly and not getting the nutrition they need. They might be getting a lot of calories, but that doesn't translate to vitamins, minerals, and what the body is really craving. Exactly. And here in America, especially, I mean, we see it's fascinating, you know, when you study other, um, other countries and other cultures, uh, the way they eat, so much more nutritious, so much slower, and, you know, how, why they aren't having um, such high rates, you know, of obesity and diabetes, as you were just saying. And for example, if you've um, ever heard of the book, I believe it's called French Women Don't Get Fat. Right, it's, right. And it's really talking about, you know, it's interesting how in France they take two hours every day, you know, they, they eat baguettes and cheese, but not, you know, an entire one. They, they eat slowly and they eat rich and healthy and nutritious things and they walk everywhere. Um, you know, but things in small portions. Here in America, everything is ridiculously uh, over-portioned. We never, you know, we're trying to do 10 things at once. We're typing on the computer. We're eating food. We're making a call. And it's really, you know, when you're not taking the time um, to focus on one thing, that's why a lot of times people, they'll be munching away and they realize, oh, my God, I just ate this entire box of cereal. I mean, why aren't I full? Um, not you know what's funny, Heather, that. that you're saying about the super sizes? I was just watching the Food Network for about 15 minutes yesterday, and I don't remember what show it was. Mm-hmm. But they were talking about super-sized restaurants, and they showcased a deli in New York that serves 10-pound sandwiches. So oh. it's piled on with pastrami and exactly turkey and we need corned beef. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so big, uh, they cost about $50 a sandwich. Oh but it was the, the owner wanted to do something so over the top and so big, and everything in the restaurant is 10 pounds or more. So if you order ice cream, you're getting a couple of gallons. You know? Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> it's a little, that is a little bit um, definitely over the top. But anyway, back to the, uh, the uh, genetically modified foods. You know, uh, like when we start talking about pharmaceuticals, medicines and vaccines are usually pretty costly to produce, and sometimes they require special storage conditions that aren't really available in the third world countries. And so what researchers are attempting to do is to develop edible vaccines, like in tomatoes and potatoes, so that the vaccines will be easier to ship, to store, and to administer uh, maybe as injectable vaccines to the populations in these third world countries. So as much as we talk about a lot of the genetically modified um, edibles I probably don't want to eat, although I think it's hard to get away from it. But in some circumstances, it's probably a very good thing, especially when we're talking about some of the pharmaceuticals. Exactly. Well, the whole thing with that is that it does have the potential to solve many of the problems, you know, with hunger or malnutrition, and it can help preserve the environment in the sense of that you know, we're not having runoff and all these pesticides. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of challenges with it, especially government regulations. And, um, you know, a lot of people, as we've seen in a, in a great way, a lot of people are trying to move to healthier ways. That's why people go to the farmer's market or they're shopping at um, more kind of holistic-y uh, type grocery stores now because people are realizing, you know, what they're watching films like this and reading books that it's rather frightening to find out um, what we're putting into our bodies. And a lot of times we think we're eating something healthy, and it's not. You know, just because, 
you know, something says it's a salad, if it doesn't have to be healthy, I mean, the dressings we put on, which a lot, again, all these big corporations, a lot of this stuff, it's cheaper, it's mass-produced, and um, it's not nutritious. And it's Well, so, I think you know, what we have to do is start reading labels, look for the nutrition in our food, a lot of the corn products are definitely genetically engineered, so if it has corn in it, it's probably from a Monsanto product, and we, we really need to be cautious. And at the same time, keep our minds open because we want to make sure that in 50 years there is enough food to feed the people of the world. And if the way to do it is by modifying uh, some of our sources, we're going to need to do that. Will you give out the website, Heather? This is a really interesting segment. We may have to revisit it again because it's definitely a big discussion. Yeah, most definitely. We want you to go to bethestarur.org, bethestarur.com, and myspace forward slash Carmony Clutches, both with a K. And don't forget to pick up your Carmony Clutches for the holidays, the gifts for a wonderful gift that is all natural recycled baubles and beads for all the women on your list. So go to CarmonyCollection.com or MySpace, Carmony Clutches K, you know, the Carmony and Clutches with a K, and you can get it there. Well, we're going to go on a mission when we return with Aileen Daly and her book, Joy and Adventures in His Service. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And we want you to stay healthy. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in just a bit. Stay with us. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Are you wondering how to jumpstart your life while bringing more excitement and joy into every moment? Join the Goddess Gals, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, each week on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You'll hear from the experts and authors that inspire and motivate you to be your greatest, unique self. Plus, in Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew, Cynthia and Heather tackle the topics and tips that make a difference. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio, Studio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. 
That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Single week, Be the Star You Are interviews leading authors and experts in their fields on this radio program as part of the literacy outreach services of Be the Star You Are charity. At Be the Star You Are, we do believe that every person is entitled to information, education, inspiration, and motivation, regardless of income or any status. Help Be the Star You Are keep literacy programs at the forefront by making a tax deductible contribution today. Go to Be the star you are dot org every dollar makes a difference in the life of another and every person counts thank you so much for helping us help the world to read lead and succeed be the star you are is on a mission to increase literacy improve positive media and offer tools for living to women families and youth now aileen daly has spent her life as a missionary spreading the words of faith hope and love Throughout the world, her first book is Joy and Adventures in His Service. It is true stories from the mission field. Welcome, Aileen, to another mission, Be the Star You Are Radio. We're Thank glad you. to have you here. Thank you. Well, I understand that this is your first radio debut. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, congratulations on your courage to uh, talk live to the millions of people across the world. Now, I want to talk about this adventure book that you've written that's called Joy and Adventure in His Service, True Stories from the Mission Field. And in this book, it goes from witch doctors to water wells, language barriers to interpreter humor. You have really traveled on a journey of the heart. I'd love you to share with our listeners how you first got involved in missionary work, because from your book you start off by saying that you weren't particularly qualified, but you were drawn and you were given a vocation. Well, that's true. I said I wasn't a preacher or a teacher, uh, but I'm what God wanted, uh, someone who was willing to go to work for Him. And I had been feeling like God had wanted me to do something for Him, And uh, I left my job and took care of a a sick friend. And after she died, three weeks later, I was on my first mission trip. Totally unexpected. And, you know, what I found interesting in your story is when you were interviewed by the head minister, and he was actually attempting to discourage you. He said, well, you can't, how can you go? You don't have a passport. You don't have any training. You know, you, and you were like, yes, I do have a passport. And you actually were ready, and he didn't even know you were ready. That's true. And, and I went down to talk with him because I wanted to be sure this was God calling me to go and not just me wanting to go. And he was doing everything he could to be sure that that was the case. Well, you know, this brings me to an important question. How do we know when we have a calling from God? How do we know we have that it's meant? I mean, how do we know that it's the right thing? I mean, you really felt it in your heart. So tell us what your experience was there. Well, I have no doubt at all that this was a calling from God. And I think God calls each of us differently and in different ways. But in my case, I had been feeling like God wanted me to do something for him. And then a friend and I took our our granddaughters to the zoo, and she told me about this mission trip and thought it was incredible that this lady was going. 
And I called her and talked with her and signed up. And as soon as I did, uh, I, st- I started hearing uh, things in my mind that said I couldn't go because uh, I wasn't qualified biblically. I couldn't go because I couldn't leave my husband. Uh, it was all that self-doubt, right? It was all the doubting that came in. Well, but God answered that with... Yes, you uh, are. You're going. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's a great example of... We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be the most qualified because sometimes so much of it is our, about our hearts, about our intention, and about our will to help others. And from your experiences, it was very obvious that this was truly, truly a mission calling. Now, you ended up in some pretty unusual places. I mean, your first trip was Mexico, but you went on from there and you were in Peru and Romania and Africa and and you, it wasn't always very comfortable, was it? <laughs> no, there was many trips that were sleeping bags and tents. <laughs> yeah, and sleeping on the floor. Now, you, you always said that when you had your tent and your sleeping bag inside and other people were having to sleep outside, you felt like you were almost at the Ritz. You were, you were living the high life when you had a tent. That's right. <laughs> it was and, comfortable. You know, um, there is something uh, over and over in the book. We're talking to author Aileen Daly. Her book is Joy and Adventure in His Service, True Stories from the Mission Field. And you talk about witnessing of, of the volunteers talking to people on the streets or, or in the fields or wherever, and they are asking about witnessing. Explain what witnessing is for those who don't know what that means. Well, when we would go to other countries, uh, we would help start new mission churches, and those people were not capable, didn't have the facilities, the money, the paper, to do it on themselves. So they would give us people from their church, which we call nationals from that country. And we would go out together and talk to people in the street or knock on doors, and they would say, this is my friend from the United States. Immediately they would invite us into their home. And then we would simply tell them the story that Jesus is the Son of God, and He He loves you, and He wants to uh, you to come to know Him as Lord and Savior. And we would just go through the plan of salvation and ask them if they would like to pray to receive Christ. And uh, we're in the United States; we're not as open to that. They are; they're hungry for it in these other countries. When this was one of the questions that I had, because I didn't read it in your book, but did you ever find resistance from from uh, people who had maybe another religion or another belief? Because it does seem like the people, especially in the African bush, and you know some of these these very remote third world countries, were extremely receptive and so welcoming for it. Uh, occasionally, someone would tell us that they have a different belief. And I would usually say, well, that's good. I'm glad that you believe. Can I share with you what I believe? And they would say, well, yes. And I would go through the plan of salvation with them and ask them if they had ever prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they would say no. And then at that point, they would do that. It must have been exciting for you, to, for yourself, to witness the people that were not only coming of faith, but having more, having more um, 
a chance in their life because you you talk about you know in some of the countries how far the women had to walk to get water and you were bringing them not only a religion but you were bringing them some relief as well talk to us about some of the hardships that you that you witnessed in the countries you visited well in the bush of africa they were having to go down the mountain and carry on their heads buckets and barrels of water back up to their homes. And when we got there, we, of course, did not have any idea of what we were going to find. And as soon as we realized what they were doing, we only had water to wash our hands with twice that whole week. There was no baths, you know, no hair washing. No washing of your hair. Nothing, no. We uh, used handy wipes and, you know, just basically did without, just as they did. And the second time I went back to the bush... Uh, the ladies came running to me because the year before I had taken a big sack of soap and shampoos and this kind of thing. And they came begging, did you bring them to us again? Did you bring them to us again? They just, the things we take every day for granted, they don't have. And this is something that all of the missionaries do is you always bring necessary items that, again, here in America it seems like second nature to us, but they were really... Um, very elaborate gifts to so many of the of these native people. Yes. Yes. Did, was it, did you find that there were certain items that across the board, across the world, people wanted more than anything else? Uh, I think probably the the soap and shampoos. Is, is that right? Uh huh. Now there was in one country I had bought a dress from that country because I needed another dress that week, and I ended up taking it off and. Uh, leaving it there for a lady who didn't have clothing. And so sometimes we do take clothing and things like that also. So how, uh, now you're continuing in this mission. This has really become a very big part of your life and your husband and, and your friends. How has it affected you? I mean, you you feel very dedicated and has it made you just more joyous, more happy? Give us some of the results of of this work because this was not easy. None of this is easy. <laughs> well, it's joyous for you because you believe in it. That's true, and and no, it's easy. But God makes you uh, happy about it. Uh, my husband told me one time I was never happier than when I was on a mission trip. Really, absolutely true. And when you're leading people to the Lord, it's like God just fills your heart to overflowing. And, and you'll have tears running down your face because you know that you are saving someone from eternal hell. And that's just, that, there's no other way to help people better than that. So this, for you, this has just been, this has really been like a heaven on earth, being able to uh, help other people witness the message of God and the message of Jesus Christ. This has been something that you have really, really have a passion for. Oh, I do. I do have a passion for it. And uh, it has made me even more outgoing at home with people uh, and, and teaching them because I didn't do that before I started going on mission trips. Well, you, one of the things you have at the back of your book, and again, the book is Joy and Adventure in His Service, 
You have something called mission tools, and then you have some missionary do's and don'ts. Could we go over some of these? Because if anybody's listening and they, too, would like to volunteer for a mission for whatever, um, you know, whatever religion they're part of or whatever, I thought this was very helpful because you did something funny with those animal balloons. That was very fun. <laughs> well, it was, and the thing of it is, uh, I had so many people when they found out on the mission trips that I made them, uh, we'd have a class for the other team members and teach everyone how to make them. So what these were, you tell a little bit about it. You you know how to make balloons into the shapes of animals. You could write stories on them or write words on them, and they would help illustrate some of the Bible stories. Absolutely. I make a, a, a balloon while you're talking to children and teaching them uh, morals, you know, at the same time as, the, as you're making the balloon. When you're making the balloon, you've completely got their attention and they're listening to you. And then when you get through, they're so excited over that balloon. And I didn't I ever make that in some of the countries, many of the children may not have seen these kind of balloons before. Oh, many countries haven't seen balloons at all. And, and I have to tell you, uh, many of the people in the bush of Africa had not even seen a white woman before. Oh, my goodness. Now, were you ever, you know, with that, were you ever fearful for your own safety, or did you just trust? Oh, no. I was never afraid, not on a mission trip. I've, I've been more afraid in uh, the streets of Houston than on any mission trip I ever took. That's really interesting. That's interesting because you were just you felt like you were so guided. Well, some missionary do's and don'ts. Some of them are very practical, and others of them are, are whimsical, and you wouldn't even think about it, but they're important. And the first one that you say, and I think this is critical, whether you're on a mission or whether you're just traveling anywhere, is don't be an ugly American. You're in their country. Respect their customs. Don't offend them. I do think that we as Americans sometimes tend to do that, uh, that we do become ugly Americans and feel that we're entitled to something, and that definitely is a no-no. You're right. Um, we, we have to understand that this is not the United States, and you have all these things at home, but while you're there, uh, be polite and be nice and be grateful and, and realize they may not have what you have, and their culture may be different, but you're in their country. The other thing, another one was the food. As of course, we have to be very careful about food and water because sometimes we're not, our bodies aren't used to certain waters like in, you know, in Mexico or, or other countries where if you eat raw vegetables like the girl who ate, you know, the strawberries, <laughs> the girls that ate the strawberries. But you also say that unless you think it's something that's dangerous to you, you really should eat what's ever put in front of you and be thankful for it, because otherwise you could offend your host. Yes, if you're eating at a restaurant, you don't have to worry about it. But if you are in a host home and the ladies are cooking for you, uh, it would be very rude and very hurtful, and you would lose your witness if you did not go ahead and eat what they served you. Now, if, if it's sushi, of course you can't eat that because it's raw. You can only eat things that can be peeled, like an orange, no strawberries, or anything that can be cooked, like a steak, but, but no sushi. So if you, anything raw is not good to eat in a foreign country. And again, be careful of the water and be careful of like ice cubes, etc. Leave your jewelry at home. It's not a place to bring your expensive jewelry. That's correct. 
And now you wore a security belt, which I think is a good idea, where you keep your passport and driver's license, your credit cards, and maybe any money or any valuables, you would wear that underneath your clothes. That's correct, yes. And what about what other tips would you uh, would you think that are really important? I, I guess getting the tetanus shot is def is a definite. Well, whatever country you go into, you'll get a list of the shots that are required from that country, and so you just need to uh, get a tetanus shot from for whatever country you're going into. But then go to that uh, the doctor and find out what you need. Uh, for instance, I had to have a yellow fever shot. In one country, I had to have a cholera shot in one country. So, so what's next for you? Are you going to get ready to go on another mission soon? Well, no, my husband is very ill, and I can't leave him right now. So that's your mission. Your husband, right now your husband is your mission to be a health provider and, and help him heal and be well. Well, do you have a, a website that you'd like to give out, Aileen? Well, they just changed my website, and it'll be back up shortly. And you can enter my name or the name of the book, Joy and Adventure in His Service, uh, and go right to it. And I want to spell your name out, Aileen Daly. It's A-L-E-N-E-D-A-L-L-E-Y. Again, the name of her book is Joy and Adventure in His Service, True Stories from the Mission Field. And when you read this book, it is one adventure after another in just unbelievable countries and circumstances. It, it's, a, it's really fun the way you've done it, everything from Mexico, Venezuela, to Romania, to Africa, India, Colombia, and the list goes on. Aileen, thank you so much for being a guest on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Oh, it was my privilege. Thank well, you. This was just great fun, and I wish the best to your husband. I send him good health and continue your joy and adventures in life. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Thank you. Well, when we come back from break, we are going to be going to one of my favorite topics, pet parenthood with Dr. Diane Pomerantz, who's going to help us adopt the right animal companion. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay tuned, because we're coming back. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Is your sexual relationship satisfying? Do you have a nagging question about sex and you can't find the answer? Tune into Sex in Our Cities with hosts Donna Kane Francis and Robin Potter Kimball. Two advanced practice registered nurses are here to answer all of your questions about sex and relationships. Each issue will be presented in an objective, unbiased perspective designed to educate and empower you to make healthy decisions and bring about change in your life. Sex in Our Cities is broadcast live Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you 
wondering how to jumpstart your life while bringing more excitement and joy into every moment? Join the Goddess Gals, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, each week on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You'll hear from the experts and authors that inspire and motivate you to be your greatest, unique self. Plus, in Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew, Cynthia and Heather tackle the topics and tips that make a difference. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio, Studio A. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, thank you for staying with us. If you've been listening to this radio show over the years, you already know that I am an avid animal advocate, as well as an adoptive animal parent. And any time I have the opportunity to meet a friend of the fur, the finned, and the flying, it is an honor. And Dr. Diane Pomerantz is an internationally acclaimed animal expert, and she's exactly the author that we want to talk with right now. She has a Ph.D. in communications, the author of seven books, including the book we'll be talking about today, Pet Parenthood, Adopting the Right Animal Companion for You. Welcome, Diane, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Oh, you know, Diane, I've been looking forward to this because, as you and I had spoken before, we're kindred spirits. I want to start off. You have 21 rescued canine children. Tell us about your dogs and the importance of adopting the right animal companion. Yes, I do have 21 canine children, and uh, they've each been abused, neglected, abandoned, rejected, uh, injured, etc. So they come with a history that's very, very sad generally. But by the time I get through with them, um, my husband and I adopt them. We don't foster them. Um, we actually adopt them as our own. And uh, they they become rehabilitated, and they are flourish, uh, flourishing and, and um, blossoming. And it is such a joy to see them overcome all the sadness and, and all the injustice and to allow them to be themselves. And uh, it really is a privilege to be doing what we're doing. Well, you know, one of the things that you do, you're a grief counselor yes. um, at the SBCA of Texas, and you actually created this pet grief counseling program. Yes, I so did. So your expertise, besides just adopting animals, is also in helping people overcome the loss of their animal companion after a death or a severe injury. 
I, I'd like to talk about that because just like you talk about your dogs as being your children, our pets are part of our family, and when we lose them, it is traumatic. It's very traumatic. It's devastating. And actually, all this transpired about 13 years ago when I lost my Alaskan Malamute lab mix, Caesar, who was a rescue, a stray in a park in Los Angeles, mm. had bullets in him, had been injured, uh, traumatized, uh, it took us two years to rehabilitate him. He used to sit in our den and shake and shiver. He had um, he was, bullets in him, Diane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, oh, he, he was just emaciated. He was so pitiful. And any, at any rate, we had him for about 13 and a half years, so he lived a long life, and uh, he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is bone cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, given six months to live in 1998. And... For the entire six months, I cried after the prognosis, and I couldn't imagine life without him. And I had three other dogs at the time. Well, but I think the point that you're making here, too, and I don't mean to jump in because I want to hear the rest of it, is that you can't replace one. I mean, no, they're all very special. They're all unique, just like our children are unique. Precisely. And they're so vulnerable, and they're so pure of heart. In the case of animals, there's no agenda, there's no malice, there's no social climbing. There is just unconditional love and, and gratitude. And they love you for who you are, not for what you do or how you look or how And you how smell. much you earn and what your job title is and, and so on. So Caesar was so vulnerable, and he'd come such a tremendous distance in terms of his own um, rehabilitation. Uh, by the time that he died, I was more devastated than I'd been um, with the death of my father to lung cancer, with a dear friend who died of AIDS, a very, very dear friend who was like a brother to me, friend who died of pancreatic cancer, human friends I'm talking about, right, a right. human friend that died of stomach cancer, and so on. And I couldn't understand why this experience was so devastating after all the losses. And I'd been to the Northridge earthquake in Los Angeles and lost material possessions and had many changes. And I learned a tremendous amount about grief. And I learned the light bulb went off that I was grieving, which I had never associated with a pet. It just had never even occurred to me. But I manifested the same symptoms as people do when they lose a loved human being. And I found that grief is cumulative and that loss, um, there are so many different losses that comprise grief and grieving and mourning. And some we might never even remotely think of, uh, as in graduation. We think, graduation? What? You know, or marriage? What? Those are happy occasions. Well, yes, but they're bittersweet because what you're doing is leaving one aspect of your life behind you and entering into a new phase. Yes, you're turning a page. Precisely. Sometimes that change Precisely. is difficult. And when we lose an animal who, who we are real with, we're most genuinely ourselves with our animal companions. There is no need for pretense. We don't have to put on makeup. We don't have to dress up. We can get down on the floor and act as silly as we want. Um, you know, we can live in the moment with our animals. They teach us that. They, if you observe an animal um, closely enough, you find that they just lived in the present tense and relish and revel in every moment, especially when you're around. And, they and, and that's, I think you've just hit it, your book. We're talking with uh, Dr. Diane Pomerantz, who's the author of Pet Parenthood, Adopting the Right Animal Companion for You, as well as, well as other books, When Your Pet Dies, Animal Elders, Animal Companions in Our Hearts. And 
what you're saying is so absolutely critical because they forget. I mean, if they've done something wrong and you have you have, um, you know, discipline them in some way and you feel badly about it, in 15 minutes they don't remember that. They just love you in that moment. Absolutely, and that's why they make such wonderful therapy animals and they're in use more and more frequently. It's assisted living centers, hospitals, uh, places where um, patients are terminally ill, etc. because these animals cut to the chase. They see you for who you really are, and that's your heart and soul and spirit. And, and I, I have want to get therapy dogs as well. So, how the, some of the do's and don'ts of finding the right com- companion for yourself, and when not to do it. I mean, I had expressed to you as I made uh, a large mistake a few years ago after my dad died. When I grew up on a farm, and my mom was alone, and my dad's dog had died right before he died, and here's my mom alone on this big, big farm. Mm-hmm. So I thought for Christmas I should get her another dog. Mm-hmm. And I called her the night before and told her I was bringing her this puppy, and she just was so upset because she thought I was trying to replace my dad. Precisely. You and really... that was not a smart thing, but it all worked out in the end. But, but, you know, I realized a big lesson there, and you talk about that in your book. Share that, how important it First is and foremost, to qualify these gifts. Sure, before you even entertain the notion of giving an animal as a gift, you really need to discuss it thoroughly with the potential recipient. And you really need to determine whether they are up to the task, as your mother was probably deeply grieving the loss of your dad, and, you know, here in this great big empty property now, and the loss of her dog, etc. Um, you know, it's something that... Uh, you cannot replace, and you really need to take the time to mourn, and not only mourn, to celebrate and eulogize the life that's gone. And then, you know, everyone, it's really actually very subjective because each person is different. And once in a while I'll hear about people that, you know, have lost a dog. Within a couple of days, another dog shows up literally at their doorstep. Um, and it may not at all resemble the dog that they lost, but it's meant to be. And right, it gives me goosebumps when you say that. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, like the spirit of the dog that was lost sent, you know, another angel to help them and through. I totally believe that because I personally experienced that in several situations. However, again, the dog or a cat or horse or whatever is not replaceable, and each person grieves differently, and that's something else that's really important to understand, that um, don't leap into a decision like that. You always really need to think in terms of your lifestyle. Is this an appropriate suitable thing to do in terms of how many hours you have in the day and what you do with those hours. Do you work full-time away from the home and think about adopting a puppy or a kitten? Well, you know what? That's a really bad idea because these animals are sentient, highly sentient. They're very sensitive and they have radar. They are so telepathic in my experience that they need that interaction and you don't adopt a pet to leave it as a latchkey pet, just like a latchkey child. Well, you might have read in the newspapers the crisis that's happening in California now with the chihuahuas. Yeah, and and throughout the nation, not just because of Hollywood and everybody, you know, the movies and all the stars having them, well, everybody started adopting them and then bringing them to the SPCA or the PAL. Right, right. Well, it's not okay. No, it's not. These are living creatures with whom we share the planet. And we need to think in terms of a lifetime commitment, not a two-year commitment, not a one-month, not a, you know, Christmas, oh, 
gee, that kitten looks great with a red bow. Right. No, 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 no. Well, you, you know, I always end up, you know, I have a barnyard filled with adopted animals <laughs> and uh, chickens and ducks and geese and rabbits and goats and horses and pigs and all of that. And they're all, I think they you have all the abandoned. I want. And I always find around Easter, people are, you know, they get these little ducklings or the little chicks or the little bunnies. And within a month, when they start getting bigger and they realize that it's actually a commitment, they'll set them free or they'll turn them loose yeah. and they'll just let them, want them to just go off on their own as if they can take care of themselves. I highly recommend that people visit animal welfare organizations and shelters before they consider adopting and see that these are animals predominantly that belong to someone else that were surrendered for various and sundry reasons because they, their owners had given very little thought to the responsibilities, fiscal and otherwise. Because remember, these animals require veterinary care and vaccinations and regular health care examinations. And they also require appropriate food, you know, a diet that's nutritious and healthy. They require exercise. So it is like adopting a child in many ways. And in this society where we're so technologically oriented and so detached from one another, I mean, we spend time on the Internet and in cubicles, and we don't even interface with one another. Um, these animals are a link with the natural world and with nature, and they bring us in touch with all that's beautiful about ourselves, the reality of who we truly are, and the spirits that we truly are. And so, again, adopting a pet is a huge responsibility and commitment. And I don't want to discourage people. That's the last thing because there's so many animals in need, which is how I ended up with 21 21. animals. (laughs) Right. And these are all special needs animals. These are animals we've adopted some at the age of 11. And we've known that they've had limited time, but whatever time they've had with us, they've been loved, they've been respected, appreciated, enjoyed. And um, I I would do it again in a heart. And, and, you know, as you said, Diane, I think this is what's so key, is for all that we as humans put into the love and care and nutrition and the needs of the animal, it is returned back to us a thousandfold. I personally can't even imagine life without animals in it. Right. I would not be able to live in a facility that didn't allow me to to take care of my animals, and that's something that's very important when people are looking to rent or to move is if they want to have a pet that the the pet is welcome. That's right. They re- as I said, they really need number one, first and foremost, to think seriously about what this all involves. It's not a whimsical, frivolous decision. This is a decision that requires careful thought and deliberation. And as to the breed or type of animal, whether it's a cat or a dog or whatever it might be, a rabbit, a guinea pig, a hamster, whatever it might be, you need to think of the consequences. And and in terms of just pragmatics, do you have the space? Do you, are you able to afford uh, a, a place for it to sleep safely and comfortably, etc.? Um, the food that it requires, its vaccinations and so on. Does it suit your lifestyle? Are you going to be able to spend time with it? Are your children going to be able to spend time with it? And that raises other issues in terms of, you know, should I get my child a, a, a dog or a cat or a pet for Christmas? Again, I would have given 
careful thought and, and, and consideration in July, August, were I thinking about giving a cat or a dog or a pet for Christmas because that's how much time it takes to really narrow down the breed that's most suitable to your lifestyle. Is it a hyper dog? Uh, many of us have seen Marley and me. Um, you know, we see movies about Dalmatians. We see movies about Chihuahuas. We see all of these things. Do we want an accessory dog that we can carry around with us? But this is a living sentient being that really requires a lot of care. Well, and you love. are obviously so, so knowledgeable and so caring and definitely the great mama to all of these animals. I want to encourage everyone to go to your website, Diane, which is animalcompanionsandtheirpeople.com. I love the title because I always think that my animals own me. It's not the other way around. And take, pick up her book. This book is so fantastic, Pen, Pet Parenthood, Adopting the Right Animal Companion for You. And by the way, the illustrations are gorgeous. What a beautiful, colorful book with darling stars everywhere. I, I really love the drawings in here and the way that um, uh, Trey Wright, who is your illustrator, teenager, by the way, he did it. This is just wonderful, the way he really yeah. illustrated the story you wanted to tell. Would you leave us with a final thought about pet parenthood? Absolutely. I think parenthood is a key word here. Guardianship and parenthood as, a pe as opposed to uh, ownership. We don't own these creatures. These are God's creatures. We share the planet with them. Respect, love, and appreciate each and every one. It couldn't have been said more perfectly. Diane Pomeranz, the author of Pet Parenthood, Adopting the Right Animal Companion for You, also the author of many other books, and, and uh, go to her website, animalcompanionsandtheirpeople.com. Diane, what a pleasure to have you on the show. It is just so super to meet somebody like you that cares so much about our friends in the, well, the natural world. Thank you and for the being on Star Style. Be the star you are. And thank you all for listening. Visit Be the Star You Are to pick up the book Be the Star You Are for Teens. We have T-shirts and tank tops, as well as other books, all tax deductible. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to learn more about the charity or to make a donation. And remember that the, the sixth annual essay contest sponsored by the 12 and Bill, Bill Gladstone is in process. You can win $100, get interviewed on the show, get published, get books. And until we celebrate next week, enjoy the festivities. Stay calm, connected, and collaborative. Let's chat soon. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Thanks for listening and be a great pet parent. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a secret.